As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and this is Thursday. And tonight we're going to talk about, are you ready? The history of Halloween. I have never taught anything like this in my life, but it's what I covered in today's regular TV program. But hey, tonight with you and with me is Denise and Maxime Yasnukov. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi, Rick. Hi, home group. Welcome. I'm really looking forward to this home group. Why? Because you're going to say what the origin of Halloween was. It's going to be interesting, Denise. Because I know it was very, very, very evil. Well, you're going to find out in just a minute. Hi, Maxine. Uh, good evening. And it's, it's especially interesting for me because I grew up in USSR where there was no Halloween and I know nothing about it, literally. Even today in, in Russia, very few people know anything about Halloween. It's kind of like a, non, a non-existent deal. That's good. Like if you ask my mom, she'll say, Hallow what? She'll have no idea. Isn't that something? But you know, even in Russia, we decided on October 31st because a few of the younger people in Moscow today are beginning to celebrate Halloween. Unfortunately, it's coming from the West. So we decided to transform October 31st into Halloween. Honey, it is awesome, isn't it? It is awesome. Now that truly is for evangelism. Now, that thing that Rick and I did when we were in the Baptist church and dressed up like witches and demons, and we said it was for evangelism. I'm not sure how many people we got in. Honey, what in the world were we doing? And you know, we were so naive. And Rick, we did it with all of our heart. We were so excited. <laughs> that we were having so many visitors to that event, so many unbelievers. Absolutely. Well, I dress up like a witch. You dressed up, you looked awful. I had green all over my face. We had demons and goblins and ghosts running all over the church. The fellowship hall, which was quite large, yes. was filled with hundreds of young Christian singles dressed up like devils. It looked like hell invaded the church. And we were just so excited that we got all these visitors to come to church. For our evangelistic <laughs> outreach. But we would never do that today because we understand that it's evil. You know, when you're ignorant. That's true. You're just ignorant. But when you have information, you're responsible. And tonight I'm going to give you information about where Halloween came from. And then you're going to have to make a decision about Halloween. I told you in previous programs this week that my dad always said, Rick, you're such a killjoy. <laughs> I could just hear your daddy say, would you stop being a killjoy? What is wrong with you robbing these kids of dressing like devils and walking on the street? I'd say, Daddy, I am not a killjoy. My kids have a lot of fun doing a lot of things, but I'm not going to dress my kids like devils. I don't think it's funny, and I don't think that the devil is worth celebrating. Ah, this is not about the devil. It's about candy. So, Daddy, I can give my kids candy without them dressing like demons and devils. I'm not a killjoy. I love my kids. Anyway, you have to make a decision, and that's what I hope you're going to do tonight. Anyway, the whole series is called Trick or Treat, A Christian Response to Halloween. Denise, what kind of match? Look at that. Honey, you do match. A kind of match. But this is free. <laughs> it's a free download. Just go to renner.org. And if you go to renner.org, you can download it right now. 
And you really should because there's a lot of material here that you can share with other friends, other Christians, maybe with your pastor, your Sunday school teacher, your home group leader, your own kids, your grandkids. It's really important information. And by the way, it's not just about Halloween. This applies to a lot of issues. Last night we talked about pollutants in the church. All of that's in the study guide. And by the way, it comes with a full series, which is either audio or video, Trick or Treat, A Christian Response to Halloween, Five Parts. You can order it at renner.org. And I really want to encourage you to get my book called, what's it called? Dress to Kill. Dress to Kill. I wrote this in 1991. It is just as relevant today as when I wrote it. This is used in Bible schools. We hardly ever go into the office of a pastor anywhere in the world where we do not see this book. And if you don't have this book, you need this book because it deals with a biblical approach to spiritual warfare and armor. The devil is real. He is defeated. And God has given us weaponry to make sure he stays under our feet. And if you feel that you're under assault, you need to know how to use your weaponry to push him back across the line. So order your copy. And if you need prayer, please contact us, prayer at renner.org. As soon as we get your email, we'll begin to pray for you. Or you can call us, 1-800-742-5593. If you have to, leave a message. We'll call you back, but we will really pray for you. But in the introduction to the regular TV program this week, I'm standing and sitting on the ruins of the great temple of Artemis, which was pagan, 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 and evil. And it was in the city of Ephesus. It was so huge that it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was so famous that when Alexander the Great saw it, he asked that his name be carved into one of the columns. Did you know that, Maxine? No. Because he wanted to be eternally memorialized with the temple of Artemis. That's how massive and how legendary it was. Cleopatra's sister was killed on the steps of the temple of Artemis. Her name was Arsinoia. Ah, oh, so much in Ephesus that was evil and was dark. And right in the middle of that dark, dark place was the church of the living God that God had redeemed, had translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son. And the church was called to live separately and being separate meant they didn't go to the games anymore. You know why? Because really bad things happened at the games. And as Christians, it just wasn't a place for them anymore. They could no longer go to the show because lewd things happened on the stage at the show. Let me ask you, are you going to the movie and watching things you shouldn't be watching? The greater one lives in you. God lives in you. Are you allowing pollutants into your temple? They couldn't even go to the market hardly because the market was filled with prostitution. Did you know that there were no women in the market back in those days? If you saw a woman in the market, it was a prostitute. Only men shopped back in those days. Might be kind of good to revert to a little bit of that, just men doing the shopping. They quit going to the bathhouses because of illicit activities that happened in the bathhouses. Do you know that there were even prostitutes who worked in the bakery? They were called bakery prostitutes. It was a world that was filled with everything perverse. And there was no light. The Think about it. The entire world was 
in darkness until the gospel came. Except for the Jewish community, the whole world was in darkness. But that shows the power of the gospel. Because when the gospel began to work, it drove back all that darkness. And that's why I wrote this book called A Light in Darkness, Seven Messages to the Seven Churches. And my book called No Room for Compromise, Christ's Message to Today's Church. You need these books. And Denise, they're magnificent, aren't they? Oh, they're magnificent. And the No Room for Compromise, I mean, in Jesus' view, it's either the church compromised and they lost their reward or they didn't compromise and they gained a crown. This book is really, really it's a coffee table book, but it is, it's like going to the university. It is just loaded with information that will take you into the world of the New Testament and will make you understand so much of the New Testament more than you have ever understood it. Anyway, you should order your study. Just go to renner.org. But let's go back to 1 John 5, 21. Then we're going to go into the history of Halloween. You guys ready? John's writing to the church in Asia, which was permeated with idolatry and paganism and all these dark deals. He says, let the children keep yourself from idols. We saw that that word keep is the word phuloso, and the Greek here is imperative. It is a command, keep yourself. It is undeterred vigilance, never take a pause, always be on your guard, shield yourself. There's an outside foul, sinister force that will try to get on the inside. Do everything you can to keep it out. The word from is a translation of the word apo, which implies intentional distance between you and something else. And the word amen is an emphasis marker used to emphasize a statement of great importance. And the RIV of this verse is, Little children, I immediately order you. That's how strong the Greek is. I order you to withdraw from idols. Withdraw. There you have the word philosophy and the word apo. Those idols and what they represent are so evil that you need to seriously guard yourself against them and stay away from them altogether. That's philosophy and apo used together. I'm leaving no wiggle room on this issue. I'm absolutely and emphatically ordering you to immediately put as much space as possible between yourself and idols. That's the word apo. These are evil and represent a menace to your life, so you must urgently guard against them. That's the word philosophy. What I'm telling you right now is not open for debate and is not optional. That's the tense of the language. It is an order that I am fully expecting you to obey. In fact, to underscore the seriousness of what I am telling you, I'm even adding an amen to stress the point. I expect you to explicitly obey my instructions on this issue and do it now. Okay, I've got to ask a question. If Jesus were here this week, would Jesus tell us to celebrate Halloween or to stay away from it? Denise? To stay away from it. Maxine? Stay away. Why? Because it's a darkness. It's darkness. Well, Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. And people do a lot of things they shouldn't do just because they're dumb. And I'm not trying to be rude or insulting. They're, I mean, seriously, they're uninformed. And we need to be informed about what is Halloween. So I'm going to give you the history of Halloween. Are you ready, Denise? I'm ready. Okay, I'm going to give you a lot of history and I have to read, but I think it's going to be very informative. The history of Halloween. From October the 31st to November the 2nd, 
the ancient Celts celebrated a festival, this is where it all started, in which the pagan lord of the dead was celebrated. And they believed that the pagan lord of the dead, who is the devil, assembled the dead souls of those who had died in the previous year and decided what form they would take on October 31st. Because on October 31st, they believed that the dividing line between the natural realm and the spirit realm evaporated and the spirits passed from the spirit realm into the natural realm. That's what they believed. And these souls would either pass onto human bodies or they could even be condemned to live in animals. And it's interesting that the most evil of the bad souls were condemned to live in the form of cats. That's where the black cat comes from in Halloween. Hoping to coax the Lord of the dead, who is the devil, to give lighter sentences to the soul of the deceased, worshipers tried to bribe him with gifts. Trick or treat. That's where trick or treat comes from. This was the gifts trying to bribe the Lord of the dead. It was believed that on October 31st, these spirits materialized and became visible to men and they would play tricks on human beings, mortals. They often returned to torture those who they thought had treated them unfairly in life. So on October 31st, they believed the line that separated the natural and the spirit realm evaporated. Spirits passed from the dead realm into the living realm and they came to torture those who they felt had treated them unfairly in life, and they manifested in all kinds of manifestations. October 31st, among the Celts, was filled with fear. It was filled with supernatural activities and episodes. And in order to buy mercy from these tormenting spirits, people would offer sacrifices. Again, you come back to trick or treat. You would either use sacrifice or a trick is played on you. And they believed that these were vital and that they could not have any prevailing power over these spirits unless they offered something to satisfy them. And on October 31st, the Druids, who were the really demonic priests of the Celts, met on hilltops in dark oak forests because they viewed oak trees as being very sacred. And they built huge sacred fires which were called bonfires, in order to frighten away and drive away evil spirits. And this is where the idea of bonfires comes from. But listen to what the word bonfire really means. The people would burn crops and they would sacrifice usually cattle. They would burn the cattle and throw the bones into the fire. And that's why it was called a bonfire. It was really a from, bone from, fire. From the word bone. From the word bone. So when you say we're going to have a big bonfire, that is as pagan as can be. It doesn't mean that every bonfire is pagan, but I'm just telling you where some of these things come from. And the bones of the sacrifice animals were thrown into the fire, hence bonfires or bone fires. The souls of the dead were thought that they would come to visit their homes on this night, along with ghosts, witches, goblins, and demons who roamed about. Now, that was among the Celts. But then the Romans came, and the Romans occupied that territory, 
and the Romans began to add their own form of paganism to this. They added in other pagan festivals. It just got darker and darker and darker and darker. And finally, in the early years of the Catholic Church, I'm not against Catholics, so please do not think I am. I have many Catholic friends. But the Catholics really had a problem because this pagan celebration was celebrated in the former Roman world. It was dark, it was devious, it was necromancy. Necromancy is flirting with the dead, it's fellowshipping with the dead. The whole thing was built around the dead. A night of worshiping the dead, appeasing the dead, appeasing spirits and demons. And the Catholic Church said, what in the world do we do with these people on this holiday? Well, the Catholic Church had anniversaries, days of the year, when they celebrated martyrs and saints, and basically they were worshipped on those days, and they ran out of days. So they decided to take October 31st and turn it into All Hallowed Eve. It's where Halloween comes from. And on that night, they would just celebrate and worship all the, all the dead saints. It was another night around the dead. Now, you have to understand that this happened during the Dark Ages. And during the Dark Ages, a lot of things took place in the church that perhaps would not take place today, but they did take place then. And because there wasn't enough days on the calendar, for all of the saints, they just said, okay, on this night, we're just going to worship all of them. It's a night when we're going to worship all of them. So, with the backing of the government, they decided to whitewash this pagan, 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 dark, 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 devious, demonic event, and try to turn it into a church holiday. And on that night, everybody was worshiping the dead. Celts in England, pagans all over the former Roman Empire. Now the Catholic Church was involved, the whole world of that moment was worshiping spirits, saints, and martyrs on that night. I don't think it was all hallowed at all. It was very evil. So the early Catholics at that time brought a lot of the pagan celebrations into their new because that's what the pagans were accustomed to. They brought bonfires into all hallowed eve, parades, costumes, masquerading as dead saints, angels, and even demons. And this pagan, pagan feast which probably began among the Celts, moved into the Roman Empire, then into the Catholic Church, and was eventually carried all the way to America and still celebrating the Western world today, originated with drunkenness, revelry, pagan superstition, necromancy, interaction and engagement with spirits, and was turned into a church celebration. Is that just unthinkable? So in light of this historical pagan origin, can we honestly view Halloween as merely an innocent childhood indulgence? And is this the kind of tradition we want to pass on to our children? I don't think so. We're talking about something really evil, something filled with necromancy. Necromancy is bad. We're going to talk about it tomorrow night. So I have to ask some questions. Are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. Just logical questions. We're told in Colossians 3.17. Mm -hmm. Denise, you want to read it? Yes. 
Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through Him. So I have to ask, can you, in the name of Jesus, dress like the devil for Halloween? No. Maxine? Of course not. You can't do that in the name of Jesus? Nope. Then it fails the test. Can you, in the name of Jesus, dress like a witch to celebrate Halloween, Maxine? Of course not. It's offensive to Jesus. Denise? No. Can you, in the name of Jesus, dress like a ghost, Denise? <laughs> like Casper. How about you, Maxine? No. No. Can you, in the name of Jesus, find demons and witchcraft to be entertaining? No. You can't do that in the name of Jesus? I cannot. Maxine? I cannot. Huh. Would the apostles, in the name of Jesus, encourage Christians to be more open-minded? Apostles, can you hear the apostle Paul saying, come on, guys, let's dress up like the devil and go get some candy. Could he do that in the name of Jesus? <laughs> no. Okay. Could New Testament Christians who are delivered from all those temples and all those dark deeds that I write about in these books that you need so you'll understand it, could they in the name of Jesus throw parties around evil spirits? No. Maxine? It's hard to imagine that they would do it. Hmm. Would the Holy Spirit say, I want to celebrate Halloween. Take me to a Halloween party. No. Maxine? Of course not. Would the Holy Spirit say, I live in you. I want you to cover me with a costume of a demon or a devil or a ghost or something. Would he ever do that? No. Jesus died to redeem us from the works of the devil. So, no way. So, Denise, read Colossians 3.17 again. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You know, I, I want people to understand how foul Halloween is to God. If I said to you, let's all celebrate Hitler's birthday, What would you think about that? You'd think I'd lost my mind. We, I could say, you know, it's just a date on a calendar. He's been dead a long time. What, what harm would it do to celebrate Hitler's birthday? That would be very offensive to you, wouldn't it? We're talking about a very dark, devious, demonic event. It's just as offensive to God as if I said to you, let's have a party and celebrate Hitler's birthday tonight. It's evil. It's evil. And according to 1 John 5, 21, you have to put space between you and those things that are evil. Let me read it to you again. Little children, I meeting you to order, I order you, it's an order, to withdraw from idols. Withdraw from this business. Those idols and what they represent are so evil. 
You need to seriously guard yourself against them and stay away from them altogether. I'm leaving no wiggle room on this issue. I'm absolutely and emphatically ordering you to immediately put as much space between yourself and idols as possible. They are evil and represent a menace to your life, so you must urgently guard against them. What I'm telling you right now is not open for debate. It is not optional. It is an order that I fully expect you to obey. In fact, to underscore the seriousness of what I'm telling you, I'm even adding an amen to stress the point. I expect you to explicitly obey my instructions on this issue and do it now. There was not a harder order for him to give his readers. That was a hard rule because every street had idols. That meant they had to learn how to walk on the other side of the street. I mean, they had to be very intentional in order to obey that because it was everywhere. Every time you passed a street corner, there was an idol. And if there were four corners, there were four idols at that corner. Every single street corner had an idol. If you went to the bakery, there was an idol. If you went to buy meat, there was an idol. If you went to the bread market, there was an idol. If you went to buy fruit, there was an idol. If you went to the market in Ephesus, in the very middle of the market was the God Telos. You couldn't avoid it. It was right there. Everywhere you went, there was idolatry. And for them to live free of all of that, they had to be very intentional. Very intentional. God is calling us to a day of intentional Christian faith. Maxine. Amen. And uh, what can I say? Amen. I mean, I don't know what to add. You said it all. Denise. Well, we have to live intentional in seeking the Lord. When it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, well, to seek is an intentional act. And, and if we're going to shine as, as Christians, as those who have the light, then we're going to have to make decisions that are intentional. You know, I can hear somebody saying, well, that's just a killjoy. You mean we can't do anything? We can't go anywhere? You know what? It's a return to purity. People become so polluted that they forget how fun is purity. Purity is a lot of fun. There's freedom. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. You go to bed feeling good. You wake up feeling good because you're pure. There's so many benefits with purity. It's like our kids when they were young, living in the Soviet Union. They didn't have computer games. They didn't have all the technological things that so many kids in America, their minds have become clouded with it, which you might say is a benefit. Our kids played in the field. Climbed trees. Climbed trees. They did the things we did when we were kids. So pure. And they grew up with a lot of those pollutions removed from their life. Didn't hurt them at all. They had absolute fun. And they grew up without a lot of hang-ups that other people have. Anyway, we have to be intentional about our faith. And now you have knowledge about Halloween, where it started, how it was perpetuated, and now you have to make a decision. Basically, Halloween, and by the way, to this very day, Halloween, listen to this, Halloween is a major celebration for Wiccan, which is 
all the witches of the world. It is still a high holy day for witchcraft. It's not a joke to them. It is a very serious night when they expect spirits to leave the spirit realm and enter the natural realm. It's not for us. Hey, go to bed. We'll see you tomorrow night. And tomorrow night, I'm going to begin sharing with you occult activities that are intertwined with Halloween. It's going to be good. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.